Thank you for downloading this message from Roots Community Church. We pray that you are encouraged by the word. If you are looking for more information, please visit us at rccphoenix.com. I am not going to preach at you tonight. I'm not even going to preach to you tonight. I'm going to talk to you tonight. Tonight's one of those lessons I like to think, uh, if you're a movie fan, where Rocky gets beat up after a few rounds and he's in the corner and his trainer Mick comes over and says, come on, Rock, you got this. You know how to do this. Well, that's what this message is tonight, okay? Not something you haven't heard before and falls exactly in line with everything that Nina just said, but I wanna talk tonight about a word that has a lot of meanings to it. And that word is wait, wait. So I wanna talk about wait. I wanna talk about it in a few different aspects here. And hopefully tonight when you leave, you feel a little bit lighter when you go. So first I wanna talk about the word, what the word wait means for us. So there's, there's four definitions, if you look in the Oxford Dictionary here. Uh, a body's relative mass or the quantity of matter contained by it. All right, so all of us need to lose some weight. Wait, you're like, wait a second, not all of us. Don't put that, don't put us in there. Wait till I finish. <laughs> and then you'll be like, maybe we do, all right? All of us need to lose some weight in one way or the other. For me, I definitely need to lose some physical weight for it. I mean, that's just something that we work on. We try to eat better. We try to exercise. It comes, it goes, it comes, it goes, it comes. <laughs> and, and hopefully it goes. This country alone is a multi-billion dollar diet industry. Multi-billion with a B, diet industry. What I looked over is there's over 500 profitable forms of diets out there. I cannot even think of 500 diets. I can't even think of 20 diets off of hand. Maybe that's the problem. But I can't think of 500. There's everything from reduction of food to no food to putting needles into your body to one about shaving your hair as a reminder. And as it grows, you increase your caloric intake. Like just ridiculous, most insane diets out there. But... There was a, a pretty smart group of brothers that put together this algorithm where they put in hundreds and hundreds of diets in there, and the algorithm just took out things that were similar in each diet. And can you guys guess what those three things were? Eat less, exercise more, get more sleep. That was it. You want to know the key to a healthy weight loss, a healthy life for you? They did it for you out of all those hundreds of diets. Eat less, exercise more, get more sleep. Problem solved, mystery solved, we don't need any more diets. But see, what they're talking about is actually not a diet. It's, it's a lifestyle change. And you always hear that word. Diets are unsuccessful. They, by their very nature, are meant to have a beginning and an end. Once you achieve your goal, you go off of it, and then that's the end. But to actually have success of being healthy in life, you have to change your lifestyle for that. So that kind of goes into our body's relative mass for that. Let's go to the second one here on what the word weight means. It means a piece of metal known to weigh a definite amount and used on a scale to determine how heavy an object is. Like those old-timey uh, westerns you see where they have the little scale and gold goes on one side and then they put lead on the other and they balance it out. So weights and measures, that's where that term comes from. Number three, to hold something down by placing a heavy object on it. And now we're kind of getting into our realm for the night, for our talk. And number four, to attach importance or value to something. Now, really, those first two are great definitions, but the final two are where it really matters for us as believers here. And we're going to talk about that. 
The word is designed by its very nature to add weight to the world, excuse me, is designed by its very nature to add weight to our lives. As we grow in life, experience relationships, achievements, and we get this proverbial backpack of life here, and it gets heavier and heavier. But the more and more responsibilities that we add to it. But what are the things that we add to, or that add more weight to our lives? And I wanna talk about those for just a little bit. We're kind of establishing a base for this whole talk tonight right here. So I have this bag here and I saw Matt struggling and you'll understand why I'm moving this over. So this is our proverbial baggage, right? We all have it. We talk about that word all the time. I put this on, this is extremely easy for me to carry here. It weighs almost nothing. Wouldn't even know it was on me. I could walk, I could run, I could do jumping jacks, whatever. It's not gonna affect me whatsoever. So let's pretend that this is my life right here. Things are going really good for me right now. <laughs> There's not much in here for me to worry about. But, but I got a new job, right? Let's just say that happens. And I get this weight. And this weight is 2.5 pounds. It's heavy, but it's not that heavy. So I can, I can put it in my baggage here and carry it. And it's inconvenient. I can definitely feel it in there, but it's not going to slow me down. It's not going to keep my progress from going. It's not going to make me change the things that I'm doing. But then I meet somebody and fall in love with them. And then we break up. I'm saying this all proverbially, not from my wife that I'm married to, but yes, uh, we break up and now I'm sad and I'm sorrowful and I don't know if things are going to go on and I don't know if I'll ever find somebody else again. And it keeps me from getting out of bed in the morning. And now that job that I had right here, I've lost it because I didn't show up. And now I'm not quite sure if I'm going to be able to pay my bills. So then I get another weight at it. Oh, this one's 10 pounds, all right? Because there's a lot to it. Now I have anxiety. I have depression. So I got to carry this weight and put it in my bag right here. I'm definitely not winning any marathons wearing this, all right? It's heavy. It's holding me down. It hurts my neck. If I had to carry this around all day on it, my shoulders would start to slouch. I would start to slump over. And in time, it would cause some great physical damage to me. So I just carry it because what else do I do? I try to adjust it around, maybe put it behind me where I don't see it as much. But it's still there. I still feel it. But good news. Good news. I found another relationship. And I got married. And I had kids. And I have a new job that actually requires me to work 60 hours a week. And I have a house. And I have a mortgage. And I have cars to take care of. And I'm working for my church. And I'm going to school full time. And now... I've got this weight to carry. <laughs> 25 pounds. And I'm just going to go ahead and add it to my bag here. And actually, I'm just going to kind of hold it because I think it would probably rip <laughs> if I stuck it in. How convenient is this to live life with? My back hurts right now from carrying this bag around my weight, my neck. It's starting to buckle a bit. My arms are going to get sore from holding this. And now my focus isn't so much on those great things I just got blessed with, but keeping them going so that I can maintain this weight, 
so that I can hold it. And I don't want anybody to think I'm weak. So I'm not going to tell anybody about this. I'm going to keep this all to myself. But you know what I'm going to do instead? I'm going to start lashing out because I'm in pain. I'm going to start telling people, no, I don't want to hang out with you. Maybe I'm not so nice to my kids. Maybe I'm not so nice to my wife. Maybe at work I start acting like a jerk to the people around me. Is it their fault? No. It's because this is crippling. But I have to carry it on my own. This is the weight of the world on us. I listed a few things. I'm going to go ahead and put this heavy thing down here. So I'll stick it right here in this box. And instantly, I feel much better. <laughs> and I can move around a lot quicker. And I can breathe easier. What are the things they tell you you're going to achieve with a physical weight loss diet? You can move around a lot better. <laughs> you can breathe easier. You feel good about yourself. You can do more things. You're happier with life. So what's the difference between losing that weight and losing this weight over here? So we talked about a few of these things right here. Relationships, they come and go. We have a teacher at my work who was 19 and broke up with her boyfriend of a month and a half, and it was the end of the world. <laughs> Let me tell you. I, always, I just want to say it. And, and, love her heart but want to say wait till you're 30 and you look back <laughs> you're like a month and a half but relationships do that to you they're strong and it doesn't have to be a relationship with a, a partner either it could be a relationship with your children relationship with your friends relationships with people in the church finances we have to have them we have to do it to support our life here responsibilities taking on more and more and more but you think in your head I can balance them I can't get through this careers changing from one career path to another unintended circumstances and this one is maybe illness maybe cancer comes up maybe a massive financial loss in your life and then social pressure gotta keep up with those Joneses gotta look like I'm doing the right thing so that my family doesn't get talked about. Probably all of us here at one point in time has at least two or three of these things on your list that you're dealing with. Maybe all of them right now. But these are the things that weigh us down in life. Despite our best efforts, weight is constantly being added to our lives. Sometimes our lives have very little weight and we get quite comfortable carrying the weight around on our own. However, we get comfortable, as we get comfortable with life, we inevitably drop a weight on us that is much more substantial. As much as we may want to ignore the burden, someone must carry it. Now, as a kid, there is a, a little thing in our kindergarten where you could bring books and the teacher would read one. And kids would bring like Sesame Street. That was a thing back when I was a kid. Um, they would bring these like cute little books and the teacher would sit down and she would read them. I brought in my favorite children's book, Aesop's Fables. <laughs> if you guys don't know who Aesop was, he was a Greek storyteller. That's the best way to put it. He was a, a slave, a Greek slave that escaped and started telling stories and got this mass following for it. So you would know a lot of his stories, um, Tortoise and the Hare, you guys know that. A lot of his stories were animal-based, Fox and the Crane. But he had this one story that I remember and to me, it speaks so much about the idea of carrying weight. 
there was a man and his son they had to go to the market to sell all they had because they were very poor and they had a donkey so they saddled the donkey with all their belongings and they walked next to it and they met an old man the old man said hey why are you uh walking you got a donkey why don't you guys get up on top of that donkey and you won't have to hurt yourself so the donkey bore the weight of the man and the son now as they went a little longer they met another man that said hey what are you guys doing up on that donkey don't you know that donkey's carrying all that weight you're gonna break his back so they got off the donkey and they walked next to it they met a woman that said how dare you let your son and his little legs lag behind you put him up on the donkey so they put him back up on the donkey they went a little longer and met another man and said, how dare you make your old father walk next to you? He should be the one riding. So the little boy crawled off and the man crawled on the donkey. And again, as they walked a little further, the boy got tired and they both ended up back on the donkey. Well, finally, when they got to the gates of the town, there were two guards there. And they said, look at these people, the way they treat their animals. Get off that donkey, quit crushing his back. You should be carrying him. So you know what the old man and the little boy did? <laughs> they tied the donkey's legs together, they put a pole through them, and they hoisted the donkey and all their belongings on their shoulder and walked across the bridge. But as they walked across the bridge, they lost their footing, and the donkey rolled off their shoulders off the bridge to its death. Now, <laughs> Aesop's moral of his story was you can't please all the people all the time. <laughs> that was his story. The moral of this story to me is somebody's got to carry the weight. <laughs> somebody's got to do it. If it wasn't the boy, it was the father. If it wasn't the father, it was the boy. And if it wasn't both of them, then it was all of them together. But somebody had to carry the weight. It would be silly for us to think that we could just keep piling weight upon ourselves without our bodies eventually buckling under all that pressure and being crushed, just like they did with the donkey in the story. We must share our load with others and not be embarrassed to do so. And that's a big part of our lesson tonight as well, is embarrassment. It's okay to ask for help. I struggle with that, let me just tell you. I came from a family of fighters who always believed we'll find a way through this. And don't get me wrong, my parents definitely leaned on the help of their Christian brothers and sisters and are always there to help others, but we were just such a strong fortitude family and. We're going to find a way through this. But what does Galatians 6 say? It says, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Bear one another's burdens. It's a command. Bear one another's burdens. Now, it's silly in the donkey story to think that we would call six or seven of our brothers and sisters to help us carry a donkey. But we might be able to call six or seven of our brothers and sisters to help carry one of those boxes or packages that they loaded on to help bear that burden. Calling our brothers and sisters for a prayer or just some coffee, cup of coffee or some time to be alone or just maybe a hug, something to let you know you're not alone in this world. That's what we're commanded to do. So why don't we do it? Why don't we share our burdens with others? Why are we so slow to place our heaviest challenges on God? Why are we quick to hide from others the things that we need help carrying? Now, I listed three reasons here, and there's probably ten. 
but I listed three that I want to focus on tonight. Number one is ignorance. Ignorance. We may not even realize we're dealing with the things that we're dealing with. You know, psychologists do a great job of helping people bring out things that they didn't even know they had. There's a lot of aha moments, as they call it in the, the science field, of where people say, man, I didn't even realize I was struggling with that. That makes so much sense. We may not even realize that those things that are holding us down, that are anchoring us with those weights, are something that we're dealing with every day until somebody points it out to us. But that can't happen unless we ask others to help us, unless we ask our Father to show it to us. Maybe it's embarrassment. I don't want anybody else to know what's going on in my life. This is very personal for me. I want to keep it to myself. But in doing so, we go back to number one, where nobody can help us if they don't know. But for those of you that are acting as that support, as listed here in Galatians 6, those of you that are willing to help carry that burden, you have a job, too, to not make your brothers and sisters feel embarrassed when they bring those things to you. To open up your heart and humble yourself to know that I, too, am that sinner. And so when those things are brought to you, you say, you know what? I got a couple pairs of hands. Let me help carry. And that will allow people to not feel embarrassed. Number three is pride. No one is going to know I'm not as good as I think I am. And we read what happens there in Galatians 6. Deceiving ourselves. If the scripture tells me all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, then that means all. All. So why is it so hard to humble ourselves and say, I need some help. I can't do this alone. Pride. Pride. So I want to talk about King David's story. You guys know the story. I'm, I'm going to go through it again. I, a, a few weeks ago at a youth, um, we talked about King David. And it really struck my heart, um, as I, I think it did the students as well. The amount of guilt that King David carried with him. And I want to talk about the story. We know the story of Bathsheba. I'm going to paraphrase it. Please go back and read uh, 2 Samuel 11 if you want to read the story. But David, at a time of war for Israel, sent out his commanders. Now, at this time, all the kings usually would go out to war with them. But King David decided to stay back. And he sent Joab, his commander, and said, you go to war, and I'll stay back here. And one night when David couldn't sleep, he gets up, starts walking around on the top of his roof, and he sees a woman bathing, and she's beautiful. You know her name's Bathsheba. He sends for her, and as adult minds know, they sleep together, and they, well, she ends up getting pregnant. Now, let's look at our list here. Where do you think David is at on these three things? Embarrassment, pride, he messed up and he got caught. So right there, David had a chance to release himself from that burden. He had a chance to pray to God and say, I messed up. Please forgive me. He had a chance to go to Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba, and say, I messed up. I am so sorry. Please forgive me. But no, you know what David did? He goes to the next thing, and he uses his pride. So he sends for Uriah, and he wants to trick Uriah into being with his wife. But Uriah is like a soldier number one, Captain America of Israel, I am not going to do this. My brothers are out there fighting this war. I cannot be with my wife. And he falls asleep at the gates with the servants. 
So then David says, I messed up. Opportunity number two for him to ask God for repentance. Or to go to Uriah and say, hey, I am so sorry I tricked you. This is what I did. Please forgive me. But no, instead what David does is try to cover that up again. And he gets Uriah drunk, thinking Uriah will go home and be with Bathsheba. But he doesn't. Again, being the true devout soldier he is, he pulls out a mat and sleeps on it. And now David's left with a dilemma because of his pride and his embarrassment. And he takes a note to Joab and says, put Uriah at the front lines. As soon as you get there, I want you guys to back off so that he gets killed. And he gives it to Uriah to take to him. Walks with his own death sentence and gives it to Joab. Why? Because of David's embarrassment and his pride. He could have taken off all of that burden and not even gotten to this point had he had those two things in his life. But he just couldn't do it. Uriah gets killed in battle. So we're going to pick up here in Samuel 12. David had an advisor named Nathaniel, or sorry, Nathan, and God goes to Nathan and, and talks to him and tells him to go to David. So the Lord sent Nathan to David, and when he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. And the rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb that he had bought. He raised it, and it grew up with him and his children, and it shared his food and drank from his cup and even slept in his arms, and it was like a daughter to him. This is a pet. Think about your dogs, your cats at home, how much they mean to you. Well, this is the same. This is a pet. This is a member of the family. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle um, to prepare for a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb, and um, I'm sorry, here, i got to hold this up. My glass is down from this far away, being farsighted here. Um, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. And David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, this man who did this must be put to death. He must pay for the lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. And Nathan said to David, You are that man. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all of Israel and all of Judah. And if all that had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? Now let's go back to number one on our list here, ignorance. David was so ignorant of how terrible his sin was, how terrible this burden was that was on him, that Nathaniel was able to tell him this whole story before he even understood that he was talking about him. I love that. Nathaniel could have gone to David and just said, hey, you messed up. God's going to punish you. But instead of appealing to David's brain, he appealed to David's heart, to where David felt what he did for someone, to someone. And now he has a whole nother burden, guilt. Crippling guilt that's put upon him. We skip ahead to verse 13. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. 
Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. But because by doing this, you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son that is going to be born to you will die. After Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had born to David, and he became ill. And David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and spent the nights lying in sackcloth on the ground. Imagine if David had done that at the beginning. That burden would never have been on his shoulders in the first place. Verse 17, the elders of the household stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused, and he would not eat any food with them. And on the seventh day, the child died. And David's attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they thought, while the child was still living, he wouldn't listen to us when we spoke to him. How can we now tell him that his child is dead? He may do something desperate. And David noticed that his attendants were whispering among themselves, and he realized the child was dead. Is the child dead, he asked. Yes, they replied, he is dead. Then David got up from the ground. After he had washed, he put on lotions and changed his clothes. He went into the house of the Lord, and he worshipped. He worshipped. He didn't go into the house of the Lord and say, God, why? Why? Because David did something that we all need to do. He took off the burdens that were on him and gave them to God. Then he went to his own house and at his request they served him food and he ate. And his attendants asked him, why are you acting this way? While the child was alive you fasted and wept, but now that your child is dead you get up and eat? And he answered, while the child was still alive I fasted and wept and I thought, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let my child live, but... Now that he's dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. There's a lot that happened here in this story when it comes to burden. David got his first burden by committing a sin, something we all do. He compounded that sin by being deceitful, by being prideful, by being embarrassed to have got to a point of no return. But when it was given to him, what he did, David did not try to hide. He did not try to lie. He did not try to wiggle his way out of it. He fell on his face to God and said, I give this to you. I give this burden to you. Please take it away from me if you can. Please let my son live. But when God said, no, that's your punishment, David accepted it, and he got up and worshiped. See, one of the hardest parts of releasing our burden is understanding that there still may be consequences that come along with it. Even though we're ready to, to, to give it away and to get it off our shoulders, we may still deal with residuals of that burden throughout our life. The Lord's grace is sufficient for me. He will help me through those times. Part of your notes here, there is relief in losing weight spiritually. David was too prideful to admit he had made a mistake and instead chose to cover up his guilt by having someone killed. 
ignorant of the fact that he had done something heinous in the eyes of God, Nathanael had to show him, creating even more burden of guilt and now costing the life of his son. But he placed that burden back on God by repenting, and in turn, God took that weight and replaced it with joy by giving him another child. We all know Solomon. You see, that's the thing. You read through scripture, God never takes something away from a righteous man without giving something back. God doesn't just lift the burden off your shoulders. God replaces it with peace, with comfort, with love. It's never just give me that, okay, fine, go your way. It's a no, I have this now so that you can live your life and serve others. He never takes anything away without giving something back. First Peter 5, 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he might lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on, excuse me, anxiety on him because he cares for you. You know, the term carrying your weight on your shoulders, it comes uh, from a Greek mythological god, Atlas. You've probably seen pictures of him holding the world on his back. Actually, in Greek, it's not the world. We think of it as the earth. They're actually talking about the universe. The Greek word actually translates to sky. So he is carrying the universe on his back. And we think, man, what a funny little story for this mythology here. It's actually very deeply sad. Because if you do read through some of the mythologies just for pure enjoyment, as I do, his legs are buckling under the weight of the universe. And he is waiting for somebody to relieve him, but the gods never do. You think if you're going to write some mythological gods, you'd have some more pious ones that were willing to help. <laughs> but they never do. Even at one point, this is a sad tragedy, at one point he tricks Hercules into taking the universe on his back so that he can go get some apples for him. <laughs> and once Hercules is stuck, Atlas is like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> That's your burden now. But Atlas not being one of the smarter gods, little G, Hercules tricks him by saying, can I at least get a pillow to help me? And he goes, okay, and takes the universe back on his back. And Hercules says, see ya. And again, Atlas spends the rest of his existence crushing underneath the weight of his, the universe on his shoulders. It's a silly story, but it has a very practical meaning to us as believers. When I hold this on my shoulders, I cannot take it off of yours. When this is what is driving me in my life to just survive, I can't be there for my kids. When this is on top of my head, crushing me down into the ground, I can't grow in Christ. It is not until I take this off that I am able to move and be there for the people I need to be for. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burdens light. If you will, go back and look at that first page of your notes really quick. I want you to look at that definition at the top. Number four of what weight means to attach importance or value to something. To attach importance or value to something. Where are we attaching our importance and our value? Where are we attaching it as mothers and fathers? Where are we attaching it as sisters and brothers? Where are we attaching it as students, as employees? Where are we attaching it as family? Is it on this weight of the world? Or is it on God? I love the wording that our Lord and Savior puts here. Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He doesn't say, give me your yoke and go spend your life. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Because I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. What did I tell you? God never takes anything without giving something back. And the yoke of Christ is what we want. It's what we want. For my yoke is easy and my burdens is light. As believers, we are like a balloon trying our hardest to lift ourselves upward toward the heavens. But anxiety, depression, financial struggles, relationships, worries, unforeseen circumstances, they act as a weight on the end of our string, tethering us to the world. When we act as David and fall on our faces in prayer, boldly giving our burdens to God and asking our brothers and sisters to help us carry the weight of this world, we can sever that string and allow ourselves the most beautiful ascension into our Father's arms, peace in heaven. We had planned for me to speak a long time before my mom passed away. It just happened to coincide with the same week that it did. And this subject matter was something I was going to talk about even before. It's been a very weighty process. She has been slowly declining for months. But this week, when we went in, she couldn't speak anymore. She looked like a skeleton laying in her bed. It wasn't my mother anymore. It was this burden of the world. Having survived cancer twice, a brain tumor, and severe amputation that didn't, kept her crippled for most of her life, her burden was her body that had broken down. And I was able to spend the last about 10 minutes of, of her life with her, where I just thanked her for all the things that she did, though she couldn't respond and just glassy-eyed look at the wall. But we prayed. My hand to my heart, my prayer was, God, we release her to you now. She's yours. I walked out the door. The orderly walked in. Five minutes later on my way home, I got a phone call. He said, your mother passed. She's at peace. Five minutes after the prayer. Don't tell me God doesn't answer. The burden's gone. This is gone. New body, new life, reunited with family, loved ones, in the presence of God. I cannot wait to be there. 
I cannot wait to have this gone from my life, just like her and all family members that you guys have lost and have gone on before. I can't wait to say, Paul, I got a lot of questions for you <laughs> when I get up there. It was a sad time because I lost my mom. It was the most incredibly joyous time to know that that was gone from her. That is what you get when you give your life to Christ. When you give your burdens to Christ. Whenever I talk, I always say a prayer, and I, I do want to do that as well tonight. But please, this week as you go out, take some of that off and give it to God. Do what David said. Get down, pray, God take this away. And he will, one way or the other, he will. But not only that, look for some other person to help relieve theirs as well. In some small way. Because when you are, you're fulfilling what Galatians asked us to do, to carry the burdens for each other.